and we're back with another episode. I'm here with Dr. Lawrence Ian Reed. He is one a partner counselor with the Whole Brother Mission, but also a clinical assistant professor at New York University. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. I'm, I'm glad to have you. As I was telling you before, it's kind of hard to get counselors on camera recording. So I appreciate you being willing to brave the elements and talk yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, the, I, I didn't have to commute too far uh, today, right. so that, that right. came in handy. Yeah, so I'm going to label this. This is uh, the Whole Brother Mission podcast, Quarantine Edition, because okay. uh, we're having the transition to these, these video calls, but still good conversation nonetheless. So as I mentioned, uh, Dr. Reed is a counselor with the Whole Brother Mission based in, in New York, but also uh, teaching at, uh, at New York University. And uh, before jumping into the conversation, uh, I don't want to mess it up by introducing it incorrectly. I do know that you have a specialty in examining facial expression, but that's all I'm going to say because I don't want to mess it up. So could you uh, introduce your area of expertise and study in a much better way that I could so they know uh, exactly what you're looking into? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, so I've been studying facial expression generally for um, uh, 15, 15 or so years. Um, so it basically started off by asking questions uh, like what facial expressions do we make when we're sad or depressed or happy uh, or when we're lying. Um, and uh, that was all fine and good. Um, but then uh, in my reading and doing that work, I found that that we have limited control over our facial expressions. So what I mean, I mean that in two ways, basically. The first is that it's difficult for people to make an expression when they're not feeling the emotion, um, but it's even more difficult for people to stop an expression from happening when they are feeling an emotion. So, like, you might be able to smile right now even if you're not happy and fool, you know, the majority of folks. However, if something like you've ever been on the train or the bus and thought of something funny, you have a hard time sort of holding that in. So um, I found that to be pretty uh, peculiar. I mean, it, it didn't seem to be intuitive, at least to me, um, why why we would be, you know, for lack of a better term, wired in such a way that that we have limited control over our facial expression. So, I mean, I, I thought, like, you know, wouldn't a Pinocchio face be better? You know, wouldn't the smell of fear just egg on our opponents? Like, what's the benefit of honestly advertising something as private and subjective and, and personal as your own feeling and motivational state someplace so conspicuous as the face. Um, so then I, I switched over a little bit. I'm giving you the long version of the story. You're good. So I switched over a little bit. So now what I've been looking at is what are the functions um, of, of, of uh, displaying our emotions on our faces. And from a signaling perspective, you know, the function to the person who sees the facial expression is pretty clear because they get accurate information about what we're going to do and how we're feeling. But based off signaling theory, there's got to be a benefit to the signaler or the facial expressor, him or herself. Um, so that's the, the past, I think, 10 years I've been trying to answer that question. And what we found thus far is that, um, is that facial expressions, they can add credibility to our words because they're difficult to fake. So the idea here is that um, anything that can be faked would lose its meaning. So if you could fake a PhD or money, you know, then readily and easily at least, then they would lose their meaning. But because they're difficult to fake, they're an honest, difficult to fake signal of worth or quality. So if I say to you, um, 
uh, hey, Malik, um, you know, let's open up a business. You know, uh, I promise I'm not going to steal any money from you. You know, I mean, my talk is cheap. I mean, you got no reason to believe me. But if you could somehow believe that I was going to act honestly um, in this venture with you in the future, then you might be more likely to do it. So our facial expressions allow us to do that. So we found that smiles increase the credibility of, of verbal promises. Angry expressions mm -hmm. increase the credibility of threats. Mm -hmm. Sadness expressions increase the credibility of statements of need, so requests. And then fearful expressions increase the credibility of, um, of danger. So if you say, so for example, if you're a politician and you say, you know, if you don't adopt my policy, you know, we're going to be in big danger. People are more likely to believe you mm -hmm. if you say it with a fearful facial expression than a right. neutral, a neutral one. So that's, that's the gist of what I do. So, uh, just to sum that all up, I, I'm interested more recently in how people, how, how people's facial expressions, um, help them how people's facial expressions influence other people's behavior. Um, so it's, it's uh, more on the perception side, though I did do a lot of work on um, the sort of production or the expression side of it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, and I'm so glad you did that because you intro that so much better than I was. <laughs> well, I'm here intrigued, like, yeah, that's really interesting, and I want to know more. Because I think in a general sense, on a day-to-day -day basis, interpersonal relationships are where – I would say probably these expressions play out when you're talking to someone else. Uh, a lot of times they're they're reading you and you're saying something intentionally or unintentionally uh, with your face, um, in addition to your words. Yeah, and it's 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 um, um I like the word that you used reading because it's sometimes I mean we do it consciously, but other times like we don't know what we're responding to. Um, so in my research, you know, people probably aren't aware that they're responding in a different way than they would have if they saw a different facial expression. Yeah. And I actually, I might need your help because literally this has been a part of, a part of my life personally. Uh, funny enough, I've always been told that my face says so much, that my face gets me in trouble. Uh, and that uh, you look too serious sometimes. You need, I've been taught oh. you to smile more. So my face okay. has created a lot of <laughs> a okay. lot of situations for me. Even in situations where I am okay, apparently I wasn't smiling enough. But when I am frustrated or disappointed, okay. that comes out. So um, my face has gotten me in trouble. So I need you to help me deceive people so that they don't know what I'm really well, <laughs> feeling. Um, with the with the smiling. Um, I, I find, and this, this may sound, you know, I guess like a, a mundane thing, but um, whenever I'm I'm with someone, I just think about like all the reasons that, you know, I'm happy to see them and happy to be talking with them. And it usually brings a smile to my face. And then I find that once I start smiling, then it just kind of just contagious. And the other person starts smiling and then I start smiling more. And then, you know, we're both having a good time. And, right. Um, so I just started off, uh, you know, with, with that, um, but I think I'm the same way. I think uh, you know wh when I'm not uh, when I'm not feeling you know 100%. I think you know I, I kind of wear it on my face. But the good news is that <clears throat> um, people that are more expressive, I think there's at least one study finds that uh, people that are more expressive are, are more attractive. And I know that there's another study that shows that people that are expressive are seen as more trustworthy. So mm -hmm. uh, you know, being expressive is, is a good thing. Yeah, I, I have I have heard that as well. So for you, in terms of um, 
interpersonal communication. Do you, does your, does your study end up affecting, I guess, how do I say it? With what you've learned and what you found, has it caused you to move differently or express differently or have a different approach in terms of your personal life? Yeah, what I, um, so, so here's, I mean, this is just the way that my research has influenced me. Um, and, you know, people can take other things from it, you know, as they wish. Um, so the, a lot of the work finds that we don't really have, uh, like a one-to-one -one control over our facial expressions. You know, we can fake it to a certain degree, but it's like, it's like stopping a sneeze or like if I, like if I, you know, um, you know, put something disgusting right in front of you, you'd have a hard time, uh, not making it as expression. So what I typically do is that I work really hard on the front end. So I put myself in situations that, um, that my natural expressions would be for the best. So mm -hmm. I put myself in situations where honesty is the best policy. And then I don't have to worry about faking anything. Mm -hmm. I can just go. So, so for example, like this podcast, like, um, I was excited to do it. So I, I can just be myself uh, and I don't have to worry about doing anything differently. So that's how I would take it. I guess some people might think, um, okay, this means that, you know, I need to be more conscious of my smiles. Um, but then again, people can tell the difference between, you know, a genuine smile and, and a non-genuine smile. Yeah. I mean, and what I mean by tell the difference is that they respond differently to yeah. them. So that's what I've done. I just put myself in situations where I can just be really genuine and then I, then I, I just don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Is there any correlation that you found between uh, facial expression and like communication style personality type, maybe like introverts, extroverts leaning a certain way? So I haven't done any work on that. Um, the work that I've done is, um, so in, in a few of my studies, what we've done is that we've, we've depicted people as having certain personality styles and then we've paired those depictions with facial expressions and we see how people respond to that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know about how uh, someone's personality relates to um, their expressive characteristics. I mean, I would just make the lay hypothesis that people high in openness and extroversion and things like that would be more likely to smile and maybe people high in neuroticism might be less likely to. Uh, but I, I can't back that up with any studies that I know of. Okay. So what about a, you know, we, smiles are perceived in a positive context, but think about movies with maybe a supervillain and a maniacal smile or a maniacal laugh. How do you think, um, or, 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 or what, do you, what are your thoughts on, traditionally perceived facial expressions being used in a different context. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's really funny that you asked me that question because uh, I'm working on a paper now um, uh, that, that uses the paradigm that I was just saying. So we show people, uh, people with either a neutral expression or a smile, and then we pair that expression with, uh, with a vignette describing a certain personality style. And we used a, a neutral vignette. So one that's just like, hey, this is Bob and he's got two kids. He likes to play tennis. Uh, but one of the other vignettes was someone with antisocial personality disorder. Um, so someone who oftentimes is dishonest, um, oftentimes steals um, someone. Uh, you could probably think of like, uh, you know, any supervillain in a movie <laughs> would be, um, uh, you know, Thanos, Joker, you know, whomever. Um, but what we found was this, is that 
Um, if you if you're described as having a neutral personality, then the smiles help you. People see you as more trustworthy. But if you're described as having antisocial personality disorder, smiles have the opposite effect, not just a neutral effect, but the opposite effect. So if you have a, if your reputation precedes you yeah. as being someone who's antisocial, the smile will make it people will perceive it that perceive that you're up to no good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it's it's really I mean, what that means is it could mean a couple of things. One is that it could mean that people just put more weight on personality characteristics than like emotion or state characteristics. Or it could be that one supersedes one. Uh, but I thought that was an interesting finding. And, you know, interpersonally, you know, it means that if you want to earn people's trust, smiling will help in a lot of contexts, but not in every one. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering about eyes. So what we do or don't do with our eyes, eyebrows, eye contact, are those considered facial expressions too? Yeah. Um, so the the method that I use to, to code facial expressions is something called the facial accent coding system. And in that system, um, it's anatomically based. So every muscle um, on the face has a number and then five levels of intensity. And those include, you know, eyebrow raisers, um, you know, uh, cheek raisers, smiles, mm -hmm. you know, everything. There's over 2000 different combinations. And some of them include, you know, what direction you're looking at. Um, mm -hmm. However, when most people say eyes, I think what they typically, so if someone says smiling eyes, they're not talking about any eye characteristic. What they're talking about is a, the, sp the specific orbiculars oculi muscle around the eye that is seen like if you're wincing um, or if you're, um, if you have a genuine, what's called a Duchenne uh, smile. Um, so that can have a huge effect on how people perceive smiles, at least in my research and other people's research. Okay. So in terms of, um, reading up on this who are the people that were looking into it beforehand like who were who was your your base of research um well i mean it all starts with charles darwin um so he wrote a book called the expression of emotion in man and animals and um that book was i mean it, it's still wonderful um and based off that book uh he was highly influenced by a guy named sylvan Tompkins. And then Sylvan Tompkins had these two students, Cal Lazard, uh, who recently passed away. He was at the University of Delaware most recently. And then Paul Ekman, who's at UCSF, San Francisco. Um, and uh, their, one of their many contributions uh, was finding that facial expressions are universal across cultures. Um, so I spent a lot of time reading Darwin and Ekman and, um, uh, and Cal Lazard. Um, and then uh, I also uh, was highly influenced by my graduate advisor, a guy named Jeff Cohn, over at the University of Pittsburgh, who I'll be thanking until the day I die. Um, and actually, all of my advisors, I mean, I've been extremely fortunate um, to have just been, you know, taught and um, guided, uh, you know, by so many people that I, I'm afraid to even start naming them for fear that I might forget someone. Right. Um, but all, all those people, I think if your listeners are looking for things to read, um, I think uh, a good – well, a good book is um, – in Steven Pinker's How the Mind Works, there's a chapter called Hot Heads that explains emotions very, very well. Um, there's a 1988 book by Robert Frank called Passions Within Reason that I think is excellent. Um, yeah, so I, I'd start off with those two, I, even though they're – 
you know, ones from 88, ones from 1996, they're still, um, you know, very relevant and, uh, uh, and very, very great. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I want to transition a bit and talk about the, the counseling side of things. Okay. Uh, so when you uh, are in session with someone, I know we spoke earlier and you were saying how you don't want your, you don't want your experience and your studies to cause you to prejudge your clients and, and, and presupposing that they're feeling a certain way based on a certain facial expression. Uh, but what does it look like in terms of um, separating your area of study in terms of facial expression versus the practice of seeing someone during a session? What does it look like to separate those two? Because I feel like for me, I don't even know if I can do that because I would, I would yeah. just keep doing it. Yeah, I think when I was first learning about facial, and I, I think maybe to some degree now, like I, I think when I see a, a, a facial expression, it, it probably registers differently than when another person does. Like, it, you know, I, I see certain muscles and, you know, what they mean. And sometimes I'm more cognizant of that, I think, than I was before I learned about facial expression. Mm -hmm. But when I'm when I'm with someone um, in the session, uh, I think, um, uh, you know, as a therapist, I I want to understand their experiences as much as I can. Um, and I, that's, it's very important because their experience will determine what our intervention is going to be. So mm -hmm. if I get that wrong, then I'm going to get the intervention wrong. So sometimes I might notice an expression or something, uh, but I'll always, almost always, I can't think of a reason that I wouldn't, but I guess suppose there could be. Well, I always verify with them and check. So I might say something like, you know, when I said that, I thought I saw a look of sadness on your face. Was I wrong? I might say something like that. And maybe, I don't know, maybe I might be more attuned to those things than the average therapist, but I don't think that I am. But I would always want to check with them because then that gives them the opportunity to say, oh, no, I wasn't sad. Or, yeah, I was sad, and it's because of X or Y or Z. Um, and then we can talk about that. So you allow them, you can, uh, you can put it out there, but you allow them to counter, to, uh, to respond to it and affirm it or deny it. Yeah. 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 That's, that's the, the goal. And, and it's again, a fear that, that I might get it wrong. And then also I want, oftentimes I want them to elaborate on that, um, to tell me what their interpretation of it was and what, what was it about that, that caused them to feel that way. Mm-hmm. You mentioned all the different muscles and categorizations. I think the average person obviously knows about smiling and frowning, but what are some other aspects of facial expression that the average person may not be privy to? Oh, oh there's, there's a lot. Well, um, just some basic stuff is that um, the, the, so happy, the basic emotions like happiness, sadness, fear, anger, you know, contempt, all have prototypic facial expressions of emotion. Um, by looking at the face, you can tell where the two emotions are blended together. So you can tell, you can differentiate between like surprise and happiness. Like when I see, you know, you for the first time or, mm -hmm. or like surprise and disgust when I see like a rat, you know, in New York city. Um, and then you can tell the strength of an emotion by looking at the strength of the muscular contraction. Um, so those are some basic things that I think people might know, you know, um, even if they're not aware of them, mm -hmm. but some other things is, um, I think the mixture of, of different expressions, people are people behave differently in response to that. So there are many, many different types of smiles. Um, there are like felt smiles. There are false smiles. 
um, and miserable smiles, as Paul Ekman would say. Um, there are some smiles that we actively try to control, and people are attuned to those attempts to control those smiles. So I think the main thing to understand is that they're very, very nuanced. Um, also, some facial expressions, um, like they're not always, um, they're, it's not always, um, they're not always black and white. Um, so you can have like a small bit of sadness or a small, you know, a small smile, a small muscular contraction that could mean something between. And then the other thing is that um, I don't think that there's any time lag between when we're feeling an emotion and when it's displayed on our face. So not only are you getting a readout of how people are feeling, but it's a one-to-one -one readout time-wise. Hmm. Okay. So now continuing to kind of mix the mental health counseling therapy piece with facial expression. Uh, I know you mentioned depression earlier, but what are the ties between certain facial expressions and certain types of mental illness? Okay, so there's... This, it's tough to do. So there's um, uh, with depression, depression is more of a mood disorder where um, moods are long lasting feeling states, whereas facial expressions show emotions, which are more short lived. Okay. Um, so there have been some studies um, in depression. There's um, some studies find this feel, this um, uh, this uh, anhedonia, which is this decreased uh, positive response to positive stimuli. Um, there's a study that I published in 2008 um, that found that. Um, people that have a history of depression are more likely to control their smiles um, after they come. Mm. Um, and then in some disorders like schizophrenia, um, there's also blunted or flat affect, which is a reduced facial expression. I think that's also been found in autism spectrum disorder, though I don't know of any studies offhand that have looked at that. Hmm. Okay. Well, you, you had quite a bit to add to that, so I want to filter through a little bit of uh, a few of those. So you said that people with depression tend to kind of control their smiles or don't just let them flow freely. Is that what you were saying? Yeah. Um, now, I don't mean to be pedantic, um, and I'm sorry if I said this earlier. Um, so what we found was that those people that were depressed were more likely than those people that did not have a history of depression. So it was still a minority of people with depression. It's just right. that they were significantly more likely. Um, and what we found was that in response to a positive stimulus, they smile just as anyone does. However, mm -hmm. right after they smile, they control, they counteract the upward pull of the lip corner. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that they're cognitively thinking this, but it's almost like they're like, wait a minute, why am I smiling? I'm depressed. Mm -hmm. um, and then they squelch it back. Um, and that's, that's what I was trying to get at. That's why I, I thought I was, yeah, just yeah. to make sure. Yeah, so um, so that was just one study that came out in 2008. Um, and there are other studies that have used other methods of measuring facial expression. So, like, for example, they've used EMG, which is basically you measure um, the electrical stimulation over a period of time. And those have just found decreased positive affect or mm -hmm. positive expression in response to positive stimuli. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the, the facial expressions are so nuanced, like I was saying, that, you know, you want to be able to look at, at the facial expressions over time, over um um, at a high res temporal resolution, so, so, you, so you can see quick changes. Um, and then you also want to be sensitive to small changes when looking at it. I think both of those things make the research harder, but they give important information. Have you seen any differences between men and women? Well, um, I haven't, um, but others have, and I believe them. Uh, so the general finding is that women are more expressive than men. 
um, and that um, women are more in tune to um, expressions than men are. Um, and so I think um, my interpretation of that, though I don't know that there's been a study looking directly at this, is that uh, the voluntary control, that, that women have greater voluntary control over, um, over their facial expressions. Hmm. My uh, more anecdotal experience kind of lends itself toward that in the idea that, you know, just kind of culturally, there's this idea that women are more emotional than men. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. It's interesting how that's to a certain extent for those that have observed that. I know you said you haven't, that it kind of goes in line with kind of a cultural thing that we've accepted, this idea that men are quote unquote unemotional or suppress their emotions, whereas women freely indulge in and express theirs. Yeah, well, I mean, it's difficult to know whether it's a difference in emotionality or um, a difference in suppressing emotions. Uh, but just as a caveat, um, when we talk about uh, like sex differences or cultural differences, um, I just wanna make sure that your listeners know that that I'm not making any claim that one is better than the other. It's just difference, you know, just, uh, Right. You know, an, an apple is no better than an orange. It's just different. Um, so I'm not making any claims of superiority of women over men or men over women in any way. Yeah, no, no, no value judgment on yeah. the differences. Just asking about whether they're actually there or not. Uh, and just more so uh, a conglomerate of, of perspectives in terms of this is yeah. some folk who was yeah. another guy. See, a big part of what we do in terms of the whole brother mission is addressing uh, of course, the head is mental health, but the heart is emotional maturity. And we're always kind of pushing this idea of, okay, well, pushing against the stigma or the idea that men can't be emotional. So just, it's interesting to see that playing out in different areas. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's difficult, I think. Okay. For some of the work that you've already published, where can people go to find some of that and where some of the the, the previous things that you, that you have done? Yeah, so um, uh, most of the, the, the articles that I published are behind a paywall, unfortunately. However, there are some that are, that are open. So if you just go to Google Scholar and do a search for Lawrence Reed, um, then I think there's probably three or four that are open source um, that'll come up. Um, so there's a recent one on crying, a uh, recent one on sad expressions, uh, then there's also one on um, just the general theoretical perspective of uh, facial expressions adding credibility to our words. So you can find quite a bit there. And then if you go to my webpage, which is uh, laurencianreed.net, um, then I think I got a link to some of the papers up there. And then there's some press that I got from uh, uh, 2006. Mm -hmm. Sorry, my fiance's uh, phone alarm is going off. Uh, oh, let, uh, let, me, let me just shut it off. I'll be right back. Okay. Okay, I uh there was a snooze button and a stop button. But mm -hmm. the stop button didn't work, so I hit the snooze button. Okay. So it's gonna go off again. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. We're uh it's just part of the quarantine edition. Yeah. So we're you know, but, it's what comes with the territory. Thank you. Um uh, we do have some people that I do know that are pursuing higher education and wanting to, you know, read more, study more, and become uh, more professional in terms of uh, the mental health field. And maybe even, you know, that you, 
your discussion may pique your interest in facial expression. Could you uh, unpack a little bit more the, you know, you said, you know, some of your writings are behind the paywall. Uh, could you explain more how that, that world works for people that aren't in it? Oh, um, well, there's so much. I mean, I, I kind of have two hats where um, I have the academic hat, which I love. I love doing research and I love, um, you know, finding out uh, about things and, and piquing my interest. And then my, I have my other hat, which is, um, which is um, helping people in a more direct way. And I love both of them. Yeah, um, so uh, my my academic hat is over at NYU, and there I teach classes every semester. Um, I teach a class on abnormal psychology, clinical psychology, evolutionary psychology, um, and I teach intro. Um, and then that's where I do the work on facial expressions. So um, I run studies with undergraduates or online, um, and I ask specific questions about the functions of facial expressions. Um, and then, you know, you you write up the study and, you know, um, send it out to a journal, hope for the best. And, uh, you know, hopefully um, it gets accepted, um, you know, from a journal. It has to go through a peer review process uh, from experts in the field and the editor, him or herself. Um, and then it's up uh, either for people to read behind a paywall or open source. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's uh, both of them are, are very wonderful. I'm very fortunate to have both in my life because I get to help people in a direct way with the therapy hat. And then, um, uh, I get to help the students out directly. And then with research, I, I mean, I, I hope that I'm contributing to science and our body of knowledge in, in a certain way. And I, I do believe that knowledge is a virtue. I think that um, I think that we can't do good unless we know good. Um, and what, what I mean by that, oh my goodness, my fiance. I just got a, a buzzer in here. But... It's all good. Okay, I'm back, sorry about that. Yeah, so, um, what I was saying is that I, I don't think it's difficult to do good unless you know good. So, for example, if I, you know, think that uh, vaccines cause autism, then, my, you know, I'm going to say, you know, no vaccines, you know, um, which is going to be problematic. Right. Especially <laughs> right now. Yeah. 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 I haven't okay. heard much from the anti-vaxxers lately. Mm -hmm. that, that's very true. That's very true. Uh, I haven't either. Um, so. Uh, in closing, I wanted you uh, to kind of speak to this idea of uh, uh, helping people who are navigating through it, uh, because you mentioned several times that a lot of times our facial expressions are involuntary. Uh, I mentioned it in jest in terms of me not looking happy enough for some people or not smiling enough, but there are genuine situations where I think some people want to adjust their facial expression because it may be creating a bad impression on work. It may not be, um, they may not look uh, welcoming enough when their fiance comes home. Regardless, you know, different situations like that may actually be happening in people's lives. So is there anything that you can contribute to help them think through trying to establish a different rapport with their face? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, so there's a there's a, a, a literature that's you know, called the facial feedback literature, and it's not without controversy. Um, but the the claim is that is that our emotions create our facial expressions, but it can also work the other way. That if we ex if we make a facial expression, then we'll also feel a certain way. Um, now it's not going to change you from sad to like elated, but it will give you a small change. So if you simply with facial expressions, you can kind of fake it until it becomes a little bit more real. Um, so 
if you feel like you need to put on a good face, put on a good face. Um, and it'll be more difficult at first than it will be after a few seconds and minutes. So that's one thing that you can do. And then I think my technique um, has worked really well for me, just making sure that I put myself in situations where I can just be myself. But I realize that's not always possible. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you might be at a job interview and just be really, really scared <laughs> or, you know, and something like that or a first date or something. Right. So for people that are interested in connecting with you, learning more, may uh, want to email me. Online. Email's best. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then go to my webpage and, you know, there's a contact me. Um, or uh, they can email lawrence.ian.read at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. uh, but my, my website might be the easiest way because then they'll get some background information and can contact me that way. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you for your time, Dr. Reed. Stay safe uh, during this uh, viral time. Uh, and this has been the Whole Brother Mission Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.